And welcome back for another episode of Blossom Down. Stephen Weed coming through the weeds. As always, my co-host Wally Lukashensky out there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Before I toss it over to him, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping. Wally, the first Sunday is underneath our belts. I've had to move it a couple notches since my feast yesterday. How was your football Sunday, the first one of the season? Just so amazing to be back. Like you, notches are definitely up on the belt. Wings, pizza, you couldn't beat it. But what got me more excited this year, I think, than any time before, was just because of how bad the offseason was. We were miserable talking about every storyline for week after week after week. It made it feel like it dragged on. I guess the only thing I had to bitch a little bit about about yesterday, the new helmet. I watched in my buddy Josh Hoffner's house. Without that bar on the front of the helmet, it is like the most bizarre looking thing. It's going to take me all season to get used to. I personally hate it. I hate it all. How about you? I hope you enjoyed your first weekend. Yeah, outside of my team getting their ass cooked, uh, like I was expecting, still doesn't doesn't help this thing. It was good. Got some wings in me. Got to make some homemade wings. My favorite, throw it in the air fryer, a little dry rub on it, whip up my own sauce. I'm surprised you haven't been over for it, Wally, to be honest with you. It's kind of offensive. but You've talked it it, up. I want to have this. This is going to happen one of these days. It is, and it needs to. And I don't know if there will be enough chickens in the Columbus area for us. Uh, to be able to feast on, but I'll make it happen. Just give me a couple months in advance. I'll just start throwing them in the freezer and we'll get it going on one Sunday. If you guys don't follow me, if you don't follow loss of down, I, I posted what three TVs. I had two monitors, another computer monitor that I was using. I was in heaven yesterday. Fantasy football team. Didn't really do me too well. Uh, I got really too wrapped up for didn't realize George Kittle wasn't starting. That ended up screwing me. I was back and forth between Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. That one screwed me. So you know which direction I ended up going on that. It was a rough first week, but I wouldn't have it any other way. The fact that we had about as miserable of a day, at least a one o'clock slate, we'll get to it on Thursday, gambling wise. And then both of our teams got beat in difficult ways by division rivals. And we're still smiling and talking about how happy we are today. It just shows you how awesome it is to have the NFL back. College football is back. The next four months are literally nirvana. And you brought talk about chickens. Do you ever think about it? If you had 20 wings, that is at least bare minimum five chickens you were personally responsible for leaving this earth. And that's bare five, minimum. That's it? But think about wings? it. I mean, if you have 20 wings... Well, you got two parts of the arm, so you got four on each chicken. So you got five chickens that you're killing. So if you're going 40, then you got 10 chickens. I don't care. I'm just saying, more or less, there are a lot of chickens that didn't wake up and see Monday morning, and it's because of us. That will help me sleep soundly at night, mostly because I'm so full, and I I love taking a nice little nap, like eight-hour nap, once I'm done stuffing my face with wings. So I am more than okay, and... To all the other chickens out there that got to see Monday morning, your time is coming soon, pal. Sunday is only six days away. It's like how like the president, it's like an annual tradition, pardons a turkey for Thanksgiving. We're doing the opposite. Like we're calling you out, chickens. I don't care if you're in that, uh, what what was that stupid show or the, the movie with the supersize me? I don't care if they're stuck in like a cage. 
for their whole life. I'm coming for you. There's nowhere to run. Well, at, at that point, what it's not really much of a life. You might as well give it, put put it to good use a little bit, right? Add some Cholula, a little bit of blue cheese, some barbecue. You stir that up. Add a little Parmesan on there. Now you have the now you have the secret sauce of Steve. You're welcome. It's not really that secret. I feel like a lot of people will do that. The not so secret secrets. I I can appreciate that. We have a little bit of NFL news before we go over the week one recap. We are leaving out the Monday night game because that is still the first one of the year supposed to happen. And the Manning cast is back. I'm only watching that, to be honest with you. Sorry, Troy. Sorry, Joe Buck. I'm going to watch the Manning cast. They got Saquon on. They have someone else on. It's all that matters. First one out of the gate, the reigning defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, suffers a what is now reported a partially torn pectoral muscle here in the victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, which we will get to. Do not worry. And I want to say it was around the fourth quarter. I remember watching it live. He just jogs right over to the sideline. You can see a mouth, obviously mouth some words. It looks like, yeah, it's torn. It's a torn peck. It's a self-diagnosis. And he ends up being right. But as of right now, while it looks like the Steelers have kind of dodged a bullet with this one. Extremely lucky if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. They lost at that point T.J. Watt for the year in their head on the drive that the Bengals looked like they were going to win the game as time expired. Talk about a spin, 24-hour different feeling right now if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You're a little nervous because you're still waiting to hear about Najee Harris and his walking boot, his re-aggravated Liz Frank, that bitch Liz Frank, injury to his foot. Those two are honestly the most important players on this team. So it's very, very important that they're both healthy. But like you said, massive bullet dodge there. Just to add with TJ Watt, and again, I don't want to take away from what we're gonna what we're gonna recap here. But that dude is a monster. What he was able to do on the defensive end, and then on the on the rehab on the rehab side, like you said, they might be weighing surgery. We'll see if they can just kind of rehab. If we're looking at a track record, not specifically TJ Watt, but in the Watt bloodline, we know how JJ is and how rigorous he is to getting back on that field. If he even has half, a fifth, a, a tenth of what JJ had in TJ, this dude's going to be back on the field way sooner. Even if it is a fully torn, that dude's going to come back. He's going to get like a metal muscle, like in the movie uh, Repo Man, Jude Law, Forrest Whitaker. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Does it ever feel like he's kind of like the NFL's defensive version of Christian McCaffrey at points, though? He's one of the most dynamic players in the league, arguably the best player in the league. He plays the game with so much energy, with so much aggression, that you almost worry that at some point that body's going to shut down or at least fall apart from time to time. Last year, he pulled his groin. Yeah. He still ended up with 22 and a half sacks. This year, he's a partially torn pec. By far the best player on that entire team for the Steelers yesterday. It's just it's something I'm nervous about. I hope that he's able to play at a high level because he is amazing to watch. We're getting more games out of him every year than Christian McCaffrey. We've gotten more games out of him last year with the groin injury and any other nagging injury than we've gotten the last three years of Christian McCaffrey in Very Carolina. True. So yeah, and it's it's a slippery slope. You're gonna have a shorter leash for a running back than than you would for a defensive player like TJ Watt, someone who gets after the quarterback and how important that type of player is to not only that defense, but a championship, a team looking to make a championship run, not saying the Steelers are, but now, you know, this is one of, if it does end up being a fully torn pectoral, there goes a year. 
right now those wheels are are definitely turning i'm, I'm on that side a little bit i'm one foot in one foot out on that take wally but he's not too far away i think part of it for me is that you forget because jj watt he got banged up a lot throughout his career and they're brothers so you just naturally almost mix them because they had very similar trajectories coming out of school where they went a lot lower than their production shows now they're kind of not kind of when they're at their prime, the best player, at least defensively in the entire NFL, like he single-handedly helped win that game for the Steelers yesterday. Yes. And if you haven't seen it, just watch highlights, just watch the first half. This dude is unbelievable. Next story on here. We have Dak Prescott reported to be out multiple weeks after injuring his thumb last night. Again, a game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers six to eight weeks. Is Dak Prescott the Christian McCaffrey of quarterbacks, Wally? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I like this. We're going on to take off right at the beginning of this. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, yeah, he he had that really catastrophic ankle injury two years ago. Last year, he really didn't play at the level we expected him to coming back. And yesterday, it was kind of the same. We forgot. Or I feel like a lot of people, if you just look at the score of this game, don't realize he was healthy and in this game until there was eight minutes left. This wasn't a three spot because he got hurt in the first quarter and Cooper Rush came in. This is a team that had three points in their opening drive and were completely shut out the rest of the game. A lot of credit to the Bucks defense, but if you're a Cowboys fan, you are, I, I think you're already close to hammering that panic button. In fact, with him out, I mean, this is the Philadelphia Eagles division again. We've been on it, but it's happening. Like, buy your division champion T-shirts now, Philadelphia. Well, Dallas is the only team in the East to lose yesterday. They lost their starting quarterback, the best one in the division easily. So, yeah, where, where are they going to go from here? Cooper Rush? I've already been seeing tweets and reports of a Cam Newton sighting and signing in Dallas. Remember, remember a couple of weeks ago when Dallas cut all their quarterbacks off their roster? Just it, look at them now. It, it, it's – I got to say, it's got to be DEFCON 3. Like, you are panicking if you're a Cowboys fan. And you're one weekend. You look terrible. And then you lose your premier, and you pay him like he's a premier starting quarterback. So I'd be worried if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. But we'll get into that game here in a little bit. Your boy, Darren Waller, got a contract extension just a couple days here before the season kicked off. The Raiders and their tight end on a three-year $51 million extension is what they agreed upon. This man since 2019, second in yards, second in receptions. He's tied for fifth with touchdowns amongst all tight ends. But the most important key for you, Wally, Devontae, Derek Carr, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, all locked in for minimum the next four years, I want to say, right? You, have to, you, you took the take out of my mouth. That is the biggest part about this is it's not you have one of these guys locked up. You have your offense locked up. And hopefully with these young draft pick offensive linemen, at least giving us hope in the preseason, you can really hope to maximize a championship window. You just have to hope that you hit in the draft, which we all know the Raiders don't exactly do. <laughs> no, and even if they feel like they – hit a little bit, they're just going to let him walk and not sign their sign their fifth-year option. No, it, it's a great move. You saw how important he was yesterday, even though it was the Devontae show a little bit. Uh, Darren Waller had his spots, and he was helping them mount a little bit of a comeback. Don't want to don't take away too, too much from the recap here, but 
this is a top two guy, right? Right behind Travis Kelsey. You can argue with George Kittle, which is he the Christian McCaffrey of tight ends? Um, and <laughs> now you, you open up this can of worms. And that it's perfect because he's out. He, the dude, Whatever. That's neither here nor there. Since since Darren Wallers came over from the Ravens practice squad about right before the 2019, 2018 season, dude's been nothing but a stud. He's a star. So kudos for you guys, as painful as it is, to still be listing off Devontae Adams. Dude, I am I am salty. I cannot believe I still can't get over this. I don't blame you, especially after Devontae's performance. And again, we'll get to that. But Darren Waller, to me, the best part was that he fired his agent two weeks ago because his agent was trying to have him angle to get traded where he could make even more money than this. But Darren Waller said, no, I want to be with this team. I want to bet on myself. I want to bet on this group that took a chance on me. And it's, you can say every, whatever you want about Derek Carr, people at home that don't like him. There is no denying the players on that team. Love him. The players, all the skill positions, they don't even have to be getting the ball. They will go out of their way to defend him, to praise him. I love this group so much. Through 2026, where he's age 34, home run extension. I loved it so much. This new regime in, in I almost said Oakland, this new regime in Las Vegas is doing everything I could have hoped for and more to start. And that's going to bring us to the end of the little bit of NFL news that we have after week one. Let's get right into the games that, we don't really care about talking about. You don't care about hearing the epitome of this meeting could have been done in an email. Let's get right into it. We have, I, I'm, I'm laughing. The Indianapolis Colts tied with the Houston Texans tied. No one in this division won a game yesterday and two of them played each other and they end in a tie. Matt Ryan starts his indie career with a tie. I guess it's better than get, giving up a 28, three lead. Honestly, the Texans led most of this game, but the Matty Ice came alive here in the second half, and that's when him and Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor all started to play like the people that they're paying them to, to be like. Kudos on you calling to Houston, uh, taking the points here, Wally, but my God, this game was ugly. The next game we talk about very much understands that, where the Falcons, very accustomed to blowing leads, RIP to the fans out there, also up 26-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter before Michael Thomas announced to the NFL world he is back with two touchdowns in the fourth before Will Lutz hit a 51-yard field goal to win the game. Crazy part about this, the Saints had five first-half passing yards. I feel so bad for Scordero Patterson, as you would say. And only other comment on this game, I hate, hate the field judge camera angle that they tried to force us in this game where they're showing us from the end zone, looking through the defense to try to see a play. How am I supposed to at home get any kind of value out of that? Whatever. Steven, go ahead. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens spoiled Joe Flacco's revenge game here. Only one of two that, were got, that got spoiled here on Sunday. Ravens didn't really look that great, to be honest. Outside of a couple big plays that you have, which always separates these NFL games, this offense didn't really look that great. Lamar's missing throws. Yes, great 55-yard bomb to Rashad Bateman. Yes, he had a couple of nice throws to Devin Duvernay as well. You could be better. You take away a couple of those plays. You're a subpar 100-yard 100, 100 passing in their game. Jets, my God, six punts, one turnover down, and a missed field goal sprinkled in with a couple field goals made. This is horrendous. I do want to ask you this. Lamar going to Joe Flacco's house. Up in New York, is he pro 
What? Where did you get that? Is, is Lamar pro 9-11? He goes to New York on 9-11, the anniversary, and he wins. Of course the Ravens aren't going to pay this dude. He's pro 9-11. 13 first downs. That's also another reason maybe they don't pay him. Mm, yes. Took the words right out of DK's mouth. We will be back on Thursday, we promise. 100% promise. Running trend of the 1 o'clock games was poor offensive play. Very much the same in the next one. New England and Bill Belichick, he falls a 9-12 and 12 all time going down to Miami. Three turnovers on offense. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. So I guess that answers all the questions that we had going into the season about who's the play caller, Matt Patricia. As for Tua in the Miami Dolphins, 13 offensive points. Wasn't exactly like they did anything special on Sunday. They just got lucky. The Patriots were even worse. Fourth and seven touchdown to Waddle end the half. Only play the game that mattered. That's all you had to see. Game was a joke. All I got. Game was a joke. The next game we have here was a mess. The Chicago Bears win and upset the visiting San Francisco 49ers in what appears to be a monsoon. I mean, look at these videos of reporters ever tweeting videos of them out just walking through what looks like ankle-high water. It got to one point in the game that it was raining so bad that they were blacking out the numbers on the TV. Some of that mean while they were talking about, they only do during blizzard games. Outside of that, Justin Fields had a nice game. I want to give a shout-out to the St. Brown family. Equinemia St. Brown and Amaron St. Brown both scored within three minutes of each other. One mattered more than the other. Nonetheless, X-Packer, fuck you, Equinemius. You're now Chicago Bear. Big win for the Bears and Matt Eberflus in that first one. Don't jump down Trey Lance's throat so much, right? If you guys look at that game, how do you expect Trey Lance, Jimmy G, any quarterback outside and in between to do well in that just in that environment. My God, that field is horrible. The weather the weather is bad. Let's wait till he gets to San Francisco and shits the bed to really start judging Trey Lance. I have to ask you a question about this game before we go too far. Please. First of all, 204 yards was enough to win. That You're right. Just throw everything out of this game. That game didn't matter if you're defending these quarterbacks. Did you see before halftime, the Chicago Bears were lining up for a field goal. I'd say it was probably 45, 46, yes. 47 yards. They got an unsportsmanlike penalty for bringing a towel onto the field to dry the field. I didn't know that that was even possible. They We've seen people like kick snow out of the way for field goals. Yep. I'm confused why this would be different. Do you have any idea? I don't know why it would be different, but I guess you just can't change. You're changing what the actual play should be. You know, It's like, well, I'm going to pat this down. It's like, well, you shouldn't because we all have to – play and do every single play if it's receiving running blocking kicking you got to do it on this field so i it creates an advantage where it should be a disadvantage based on what the weather's like i think it's a really shitty rule but at the same time did that towel really do anything with how bad the weather was coming down and how bad that field is and how bad the draining system was i mean come on that's a great point that imagine it's like taking a towel to the ocean and being like, oh, maybe I can lower the sea level a little bit. I have no idea what the holder was thinking because it was still going to – I imagine it's just one of those things. You push it down and you see the water just come yeah. right back to the exact same spot it just was at. It's, it's not a bouncy uh, paper towel here, guy. It's it's just a regular towel. Yeah, it's the there. good value paper towels. It ain't going to work, man. No, it's not. Carson wins. We got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 28-22. to 
313 yards, four touchdowns, and two picks from Wentz. So good luck with that, Washington. You are in for a fun show. A couple quick notes, though, on this game before we go ahead. Curtis Samuel, while losing a fumble, Lord, was he shifty in this game. He extended three or four drives on third and longs just by making two or three guys miss and getting to the first down marker. He's a guy that I'm really excited to see with a heightened role in this offense, what he can do. And then if I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar fan, yeah, you're really bummed out you came out on the losing end. But talk about some good news. Your first-round picks, Trayvon Walker, INT in a sack, Devin Lloyd, 11 tackles. Maybe things are actually starting to look a little on the up-and-up in Jacksonville. Hey, Jaha Dodson, that rookie receiver for Washington, had a game yesterday. So it's nice. Terry McLaurin also scored. Curtis Samuel. Maybe that offense is going to be humming a little bit. Knows how Now that they have a quarterback that knows how to distribute it. Carson Wentz had a nice long ball, and Trayvon Walker, my goodness, that dude is an animal. I wish he took it to the house just because, but, yeah, I like what they're doing there in Jacksonville. I think the Duval should be very pleased about what the season's going to be holding for them. Trevor Lawrence wasn't looking half bad. The James Robinson-Travis-Etienne mix, I like that combo in there. I think it's a switch it up. That, that could be a dangerous backfield. Yeah, if Etienne doesn't drop that ball in the third quarter, they both would have had reception touchdowns, and that won't happen. He's a very good receiver. But, yeah, the Trayvon Walker pick, I think you were hinting at it, that is such a freaky athletic play that only the elite of the elite edge rushers can do. That's a T.J. Watt kind of play. Full extension to the side, three which feet he made from the quarterback. Yeah, which he almost made too. So they both had picks on very similar plays yesterday. I'd be fired up in Duval. Now, let's get down to the games that everyone glued into. We get to break it down. Maybe me and Wally get to go back and forth here a little bit. Before we toss it over to the first game, we want you to know that this week one recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency, specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're Wally and I's age where it feels like there's graduations, baby pictures, weddings, whatever. You name it, feels like they're constantly happening. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at Abby, that's A-B-B-E-Y, at abbyturnerphoto.com or on her Instagram at Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Week one gets kicked off with the Buffalo Bills dismantling the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi, where they had to have the, the banner drop. This is an ugly first half of the first game. Buffalo kind of turns it around here a little bit, and Josh Allen does what Josh Allen does best. Make Wally hate that he's always against him. So he just straps on to the Josh Allen hate every time he does better. What were some of your takeaways that Buffalo, maybe a Buffalo's offense or that whole team did on Thursday? The fact that they turned the ball over four times were about as sloppy as they could have been. And I know it's LA, so the road environment really isn't much of a road environment, but it is banner night. And they took it to the Rams. Four turnovers, and they win by three scores. That is surreal. And this is without Brian Dayball. A lot of people are worried about how they'd look. All I have to say is Isaiah McKenzie's gender reveal, all he had to do instead of it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a blowout, it's a blowout. They are a good, good offense. Defense showed with Vaughn Miller that they can be scary too. I will give credit, Cooper Cup and Stephon Diggs going head-to-head. That was so much fun to watch. Those two really put on a show, both over 100 yards and a touchdown each. And both, it seemed like, were targeted every time the ball was in the air. 
So apologies for my Allen Robinson prop lock and drop because I'm going to go double down on that this week. You already know I will. At a boy, yeah. As as you should, you know, you know that there's going to be a lot of media circulating around that. Sean McVay is going to know to kind of pump this ball and feed him there a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned Buffalo have their turnovers. They were causing turnovers. Let's start with seven sacks of Matt Stafford. They are immediately missing Andrew Whitworth, who had retired this past offseason. That offensive line is looking shaky, not what we're used to seeing out of the Sean McVay era of how great their O-lines have been. He's throws three interception. He has a QBR of 23.6. Yeah, awesome no-look touchdown pass to Cooper Cup here in the first half. No one is talking about the no-look interception that was a horrible throw in the first place. No one's talking about that. Because it's Matt Stafford now. He's the poster boy of the NFL since he's a Super Bowl champion now, right? The Rams defense did their thing here. And then the second half started. This was a defensive matchup that kind of took us by surprise here, Wally. While we were smashing on our wings and drinking our beer here on Thursday. We're like, wow, we were expecting a little bit more points. And, well, Buffalo did it. And then not really so much of the L.A. Rams. I've been kind of circulating on Twitter about it a lot. Is Jalen Ramsey, is he done? Is he no longer that top guy anymore? Because his last games dating to last year, he has not looked good. He's getting burnt. He's getting burnt deep, long, however you want to put it. Yeah, if the Bengals' interior offensive line holds up last year, there's a chance we have a different Super Bowl champion directly going into Jalen Ramsey getting burned by Jamar Chase. But I do want to touch on a couple of things you just said, too. Andrew Whitworth, great point. It was very evident that his absence is going to be something that's going to take a while for them to overlook and, and get – or at least overcome and be better. My other point here is that I, as you know, and the people at home probably, it's good and bad, but I'm an old man. And I never feel more like an old man yelling at a cloud than when I see these no-look passes. When they work, great. I'm glad that you have a, a fun highlight clip. I want you to look your receiver. I want you to throw to him. I want you to act. That's 20 yards downfield. How good do you think you are that you're not going to look Cooper cup almost made a, a miraculous catch, but he throws it 10 feet in the air. I, I just Patrick with three, Mahomes, with three or four defenders around him. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is my Steph Curry. You are breaking football for me. Like do not have little kids <laughs> in flag football, like basically with blindfolds playing the game, Steph Curry, it's the, everybody shoots threes. It's the same thing. I feel like an old man every time I watch, but I am, so done with the no-look passes. So done. Wow. Tell me how you really feel. So with this game, who do you think it says more about, that we should be more worried about the Rams or the Bills are exactly who we thought they were in the being the Super Bowl favorites? The latter. You're right. The Bills are very, very, very good. If they're going to be playing an offense that looks consistently like Miami, New England, and the Jets, they're going to. Good luck in that division. AFC, are we getting on the one seed right now? I mean, I'm ready to. It's them and the Chiefs. Overreaction Monday. Overreaction Monday. It's them and the Chiefs. They're both going 17-0. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals have a overtime to start their season here at Paycor Stadium. Not Paul Brown Stadium. A very horrible name. The Steelers upset them with a game-winning field goal here in overtime after Joe Burrow has four turnovers just in the first half. And how scary we've been talking about T.J. Watt and that defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're looking with Brian Flores now having his hands in there. Mike Tomlin, obviously, you, you know he's going to have a big part. 
it looked Minka Fitzpatrick looked amazing in this game as well, just right next to TJ Watt. Does Cincy just spend money to not fix their O-line problem this offseason, Wally? That was my initial thought, but I think that we're not giving enough credit to how good this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is. This team had no offense on Sunday, and they just beat the AFC. Zero. Yeah, the AFC champions in their house because of T.J. Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, as you had said before. Five turnovers. I know you had the fumble in there, too. Joe Burrow, if you want to take this from two different sides, if you're the Steelers, you're like, at what point do we say we're trying to win this year and we have to go to Kenny Pickett? Or if you're the Bengals, it's we had five turnovers. We missed a game-winning extra point. We missed a game-winning field goal. And we still took this elite defense to the last second of overtime. I wouldn't worry at all if I'm Cincinnati. If anything, I'm so fired up if I'm a Steeler fan. I am doing victory laps on everybody right now, telling that people, I told you that we can compete in the AFC North because myself and a lot of other people did not think they could. Last thing I'll say on this game, Zach Taylor should be ashamed of himself. That was... There was a moment with about a minute or a couple minutes left in this game where the Bengals completed what looked like a touchdown to Jamar Chase and they called him down at like the one foot line. The way they were playing in that game, the way they were turning the ball over, you challenge that. You get the touchdown, the guaranteed touchdown. Instead, he elected to go no huddle and they go four straight plays from the one and not able to score. They turn it over on downs. Lucky is all hell that they were able to score as time expired, but that was a massive error. And then in overtime, there's a minute left, and you decide to punt the ball with 20 seconds on the play clock, giving the Steelers time to go down and win the game. This was a game that everybody – or the defense deserved better if you're a Bengals fan, but the offense and Zach Taylor completely let them let the defense down. I don't expect it to be a major problem, but – if someone needs to wear this loss, it's Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. Yeah, and that in that offensive line, they that everyone in that offensive room, right? Yes, Jamar Chase did what Jamar Chase does. He made amazing catches and he even made amazing catches that didn't count. So there was like two or three that he didn't get that foot on or, or that last foot in. And if he did, it was literally centimeters between the white and the green and there in the end zone. Like you said, shout out to the Bengals defense. This they go into the half what down 17 to 3. The Bengals look defeated almost. What do they do? This defense holds the Pittsburgh Steelers to 54 yards of offense in the second half. They hold them to six total points in the second half in overtime, and you're still not able to, to win. Evan McPherson, well, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game. You get your shit blocked. Now, I will say they had the backup long snapper in because what the starting long snapper has a torn bicep. So he went, I don't know what they're doing in the torn upper body muscles this weekend, but I would do not want to be in Cincy. So they had in, I, it's like a backup guard or one of their guards in there. Low snap, wasn't good from the start. Mika Fitzpatrick comes in there to block it. I really, really like this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And I don't want to say I'm completely walking back what my prediction was because I had this being Mike Tomlin's first year finishing under 500. This defense all of a sudden is not only putting pressure on every offense they play, they're putting pressure on, their offense to start your boy, Kenny Pickett, like you were saying before. 
I agree. Why not? I think that's enough, right? We'll see what the rest of, we'll see what these next couple of weeks are. If Mitch can put consistent drives together, but if you're going to have another one like this and you're squeaking out because of your defense, it's only going to last for so long and you got to get Kenny Pickett in there. In their defense. I mean, they did enough to win. I, I, I guess I'll give them that. But if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, my only concern about putting Kenny Pickett in right now is that you have your own offensive line issues in this next eight weeks before the bye week is brutal. If you can hold out and understand that this wasn't a Super Bowl year, I think you almost wait till the bye week, then bring in Kenny Pickett in the second half. I just want to protect him because the last thing you want to do is put him out there right now, especially when you're not going to have Najee Harris likely. You're not going to have TJ Watt in that defense. It might be a different looking team for the next month. That's the only way or reason I think I'm sticking with Mitch for right now. No, you you, you don't think Just, so? No, you know I don't like. I he didn't he didn't look good. He was barely getting out to the receivers. You didn't see really any long balls there. The offensive line really isn't that great. So yeah, they are who we thought they were, and their offensive line's not great. I just don't know how long they're going to be able to sustain having Mitch Trubisky back there. Get him. Just get Kenny Pickett in. If you're if you're winning because of your defense with with him, you're going to win with Kenny. That's very likely. Let's go to the other team in Pennsylvania where they went to Detroit, killing minus three and a half betters out there like myself, thirty eight to thirty five. I got to say, though, how fun was that game? 216 to 181 rushing yards. You got to see these two elite offensive lines really do what they do. Dan Campbell's guys, again, don't say die. Love that for them. And Hurts, while he wasn't great passing the ball, but his legs really did open this offense up. And even when he was able to get the ball out, A.J. Brown making some incredible catches, often on underthrows or overthrows. And the other comment for me, James Bradbury. Pick six, first game with the division rival was the New York Giant, showing a lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans why they need to be excited about both sides of the ball. 31 points and a six-drive stretch really put this away. What are your thoughts? This game was a lot closer before this comeback started getting mounted by the Lions. It was a 14-7 game, and then you look down, you look back up, all of a sudden it's 21-14, 28-14, right? Like you said, you had – he had a Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown. The next possession by the Lions, he had that James Bradbury pick six. And then somehow the Eagles get the ball again before the half. And they're able to put some points here on the board. And then Detroit does what they do best, rip our, our hearts out if you, if you took the other team. Always take the Lions points this year. They look like they're right on that trend again to rip our hearts out. I like them. For Philadelphia, they picked up right where they left off with that rushing attack. Jalen Hurts, eh, looked good. Good, not great. Could be better, could be worse. Hello, A.J. Brown, 10 for 155. My question mark is zero catches for Devontae Smith on only four targets throughout the game. I know there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense because every running back that got touches scored scored if it was Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. I don't know why I always forget that dude's name. But all four of them scored. And even Dallas Carter had a little bit. But shout out to the Eagles being able to not only pick up a third down, but pick up a fourth down going for it to ice the game and keep Detroit out of potentially being able to not only win, but to tie the game and send it to overtime. God, I like these lines a lot. I didn't want to ride the hype of – it's so easy to ride the hard knocks hype of going into like, yeah, they're, they're just going to – I'm always going to take them. They're my team, right? They're going to win. 
But we want to talk about Philly picking up where they left off last year. It feels like Detroit's doing it too. They did it in the first game last year. They came back in a similar fashion against the 49ers. And they have whatever they say, do not die, or die not, whatever you said that it was. They will not say die. They will not say die. Yeah. So what about tie-dye? What do they call it? Tie-dye? Yeah, tie-dye. They will not say die. So, Well, I mean, they, they did tie last year against the Steelers, so I guess tie's fine too. There you go. But overall, Jared Goff looked decent. The defense was the biggest question mark for Detroit. That They answered that, right? But, yes, kudos to the Eagles pulling this out. But that, now they also have me scratching my head. You gave up 35 points to the Detroit Lions. That doesn't really look like a very well-run offense. Maybe this defense on paper is you're hyping them up a little bit too much. No, I'm buying stock on both teams. I think that this is just a high-level football game. Again, this is arguably the best two offensive lines in the league, and they were leading by 17 in the fourth quarter. I think they probably just let their foot off the gas a little bit. We'll see. There is going to be plenty of opportunities this year for the defense to step up and prove that they can win games. Just hasn't happened yet. We're going to kick it down to my home state in Carolina where Cleveland goes up against their former quarterback in Baker Mayfield, and they come out victorious on a game-winning late field goal. This is right after Baker drove his team down to take the lead. He did all he could do. But the rookie kicker for Cleveland nails a 58-yarder at the buzzer. Well, there's a couple controversial calls here. First off, how do you feel about Cleveland taking the win over Baker in his new home? Second off, what do you feel about that roughing the passer call, but the non-call on the fake spike that turned into a spike? I'm disappointed. I told you guys I was betting with my heart. This last week, I really wanted to see Baker get a win. I think a lot of people probably did. Cade York, congrats to him, 58-yard field goal. That thing's still rising. I can't believe how much leg he got on that. As for the questionable calls, I, I have a difficult time. I hate doing the Monday morning quarterbacking on bad calls. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, Browns fans aren't going to complain. This is their first win in week one since 2004. I mean, they had the longest offseason of their lives, too. So, I mean, it sucks because I was rooting for Carolina, but it's their own fault that they needed to wait until the fourth quarter to play offense. Took 17 points in their last three drives to get in that position. Don't leave the game up to the refs if you don't want to risk the refs giving the game to the other team. That simple for me. Like you said, Baker just started off slow. That offense did not look like they were meshing too well and. That's also thanks to the to the Cleveland defense of Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett kind of disrupting some things in that secondary overall. But then Baker kind of came alive in that fourth quarter. He went, what, five of six, 131 yards with two touchdowns. One nice bomb to Robbie Anderson that kind of blew the door open and really, really started realizing, holy shit, they can come and win this and finally stick it to the Browns. Not so quick. Uh, as Miles Garrett said, it looks like he bit off the leash, something like that. I'm not sure. I didn't get the reference. There must be some some shit going on between them. But overall, I think I had my buddy Dylan texting me and he was like, whoa, this is, he's like, well, so this is Baker, right? And then the fourth quarter happened. I don't really think that we talked too much since then, but you have to be a little bit happier. I think that Jacoby Brissett, yes, you were playing on the other side. The other defense played well, right? Even though Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had a day with over 200 yards combined, Nick and uh, Kareem Hunt had two of those, two touchdowns, two, both those touchdowns. Nick Chubb had like 145 of those yards. So there's still that ground team. Use more of that. Stop going to Jacoby Brissett. You are putting, putting your record in harm's way if you're going to rely on Jacoby Brissett as a passer 
and a rookie kicker to nail field goals like this consistently. It worked in this game, but it's not going to work all season. They got, I want to say, nearly 200 yards between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in this game. It's definitely going to be the recipe for success, at least getting up to that week 13 when they're going to get Deshaun Watson back. This is the the blueprint for the Browns to win games this year. They're going to have a defense that is going to have to get after the quarterback and an offense that's going to have to have the ball for 35 minutes a game. Take Jacoby Brissett and put him in third and threes, third and fours, manageable downs. Don't put him in the third and 10. Don't let him fall behind the sticks. If you're a Browns fan, I know it's got to just be like a sigh of relief, right? Because if you lose that game to Baker in that fashion, that would have been so embarrassing. I could almost feel the collective sigh that Cade York gave them, especially with a team that sucks at field goals. Since Phil Dawson, this team can't make any kicks, especially in critical situations. So they hit one from 58. And again, that thing was still rising. I'd love to see what the analytics say that would be good from, because it feels like it's probably 68 yards. Great, very exciting win for week one. And I guess we'll just have to see if they can uh, continue to, to ride on the backs of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, which means we're going to go to my game, yes. I suppose. Uh, hey, I'm glad you I'm glad you put mine for last. So I, I've just it's just I've just been sulking it in. So, you know what? Well, let me uh, let me toss this one over to you. Hopefully it doesn't get intercepted like uh, three times like Derek Carr. So the Las Vegas Raiders go to the SoFi Stadium two games in four days. Hell of a time there in L.A where the Chargers end up squeaking out a victory 24 to 19. Yes, the Raiders offense looked looked like they're trying to get things together if you're not named Devontae Adams. A hell of a start for him, first of all. I know it was a tough loss, but man, Devontae looked good. Nothing really to build off of, but how are you feeling on here? I'm feeling as surprising as this might sound to some of you, probably as good as I could be feeling after a game like that. That's Derek Carr said himself, he was really over-aggressive yesterday. He was trying to – it felt like he heard all the hype this offseason and he was trying to live up to it immediately instead of just playing his game. The line did allow six sacks. That's a problem that we kind of saw coming. It's a difficult line. They were going back and forth with the right tackles all game, pulling one for another. Yeah, Devontae had a massive game. That's very exciting. And Darren Waller was open all game. If it wasn't for a couple underthrows, Darren Waller probably has two touchdowns and a much more sexy stat line. They're not going to be able to run the ball, though. Uh, and then, again, three interceptions. You're never going to win a game when you're turning the ball over three times, especially in that division. But if you look at this from a Chargers perspective, Herbert's good. Uh, he's a he's a good quarterback. I'll, I'll, go on a, I'll go on a limb here and say that. What I'd be worried about <laughs> is Keenan Allen – he left this game with a hamstring injury pretty early on. I don't know how bad that is, but those are one of those injuries that that'll be deal like something he's dealing with all season long. And you're going to have to hope he's not re-aggravating it all season long. They didn't allow any sacks, and that is against Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, allegedly one of the best pass rushing tandems in the league. Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley, you got this offensive line just looked so good the other day. Uh, and then I guess my last thing I'd take on it is somehow, some way, Khalil Mack has kind of just flown over under everybody's radar that he's in L.A. now. He sacked his former teammate and buddy, Derek Carr, three times. I, I, I'm seeing it. I can see why people are picking the Chargers to win the Super Bowl 
that was a damn good team yesterday. I, that's why it's hard for me to get that upset. I just feel like we lost to a better team. Yeah, and, and you already kind of knew you weren't expecting the victory, just kind of like I. there's no way in hell I was expecting a victory yesterday for my Packers. But, yeah, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head and mostly why your offense wasn't doing so well outside of Devontae was force-feeding. You can force-feed Devontae because he can get open. He can get way more open than a lot of these other guys, but he was just – he knew that he needed to get Hunter Renfro involved in the game. That defense, the Chargers defense also knew that. And he was just trying to force feed Hunter Renfro. And then, of course, Devontae is just going to go do his thing. He had Josh Jacobs a little bit in the receiving game. He had Darren Waller maybe a little bit too late yesterday, where it felt like late in that third, early in the fourth, and throughout the fourth, and Darren Waller became that guy. But overall, I'm pissed because they missed the two-point conversion, and I would have covered at three and a half. It would have been one of my parlay, so damn it. This this was Wait. like the Lions game in terms of betting, where yes, there were a lot of bad beats on Sunday. This was a tough one because I mean the Raiders still had the ball like two or three times in this game in the third and fourth quarter with a chance to make it closer, and it whether it be a sack or whether it be a pick, they just kept pissing down their leg. And how often is that going to happen? we know that their Achilles seal is their offensive line. And there's going to be, there is a lot of good pass rush that you're just facing within the division, not even including the conference and to the rest of your opponents. You're going to have good pass rushes. This cannot be a constant thing that is holding this team back with how much firepower they have on the outside in between tackles, outside tackles. They have a lot of firepower. You need to find at least one, just a singular pro bowl lineman. So you know you have one strong side of the line that you can manipulate a lot of. Yes, you're going to have to play on the opposite side, but you need a solid piece in your offensive line. Yes, you can win some games, but I feel like you're going to get a lot of these games with how close the competition competition is within that conference. You need to get that. But you know what, Wally? I feel like they're going to be coming up here soon. My boy Justin Herbert, though. MVP, watch out. Yeah, It certainly seems very possible, uh, that's for sure. And with the pass rushers in the league, as good as they are, as good as they probably ever have been, as deep as it has been in the league, I am worried. The New York Giants go to Tennessee and do what you and I thought they were going to do. And it makes me happy to say that because it didn't feel like we drilled a lot. But they go and, unlike the Raiders, complete a two-point conversion to win the game with about a minute left. Titans were up 13-0 and a half in this game. But Saquon Barkley, could we finally be seeing him live up to the expectations? 164 yards on the ground, 30 more through the air. We kept hearing about how Wandale Robinson was going to be a focal point of this offense. We didn't see it. It was really just Saquon. But then on the flip side, Tennessee, Derrick Henry really wasn't able to get that going. 21 carries, 84 yards. I have one comment, though, and I'll throw it to you. Last year, this Tennessee team really saw their season fall apart on a failed fourth and one because of a poor play calling. And we saw the same stuff happen several times on Sunday where it was third or fourth and one. And they decide to either get cute or just not give the ball to Derrick Henry. They did a jet sweep to their tight end on third and one in the fourth quarter. And then they also decided to, 
just put uh, Derrick Henry as like the lone person in the backfield to take a direct snap opposed to just handing it to him going downhill. He drops the ball and he gets stuffed because he has no momentum. I just am so frustrated watching Tennessee in short yards to go situations, not just line up and give it to the highest paid running back in football. If you pay him that much money, you give him the ball on fourth and one. We know what you should be doing. And I, I just, I can't imagine being a Tennessee fan. I'd be pissed today. You know what you should be doing. Everyone in the stadium, on the field, outside of the field, at home, they know what you are doing with giving the ball to Derrick Henry. And guess what? We've all known that the past five years. And guess what? No one can fucking stop this guy. To your point, Wally, stop getting cute. Bread and butter. You know what works? Derrick Henry fucking works. Because you know why? Get him to the line of scrimmage and let him fall forward. And he will get us the first down. Maybe by a couple inches. But he will get it. It was all the Dontrell Hilliard show yesterday who had two who had two receiving touchdowns, 61 receiving yards with only eight rushing yards. Nice, 69. But with the two touchdowns, Ryan Tannehill, he is who he thought he was. Daniel Jones. Shout out to not only the Tennessee coaching staff of fucking up some of these plays, but that defense of the New York Giants of allowing them to get the ball back to put into Daniel Jones' hands because Daniel Jones already had the uh, the option of winning this game, but he threw an interception in the end zone prior to them getting the ball back, scoring, and then getting the two-point conversion. But holy Saquon Barkley, 164 yards on the ground. You can add 30 receiving, so just under 200. His highest, I want to say the most yards that he's had since 2018, 2019, probably because he's only played in about three games since then. So it's going to be a quick research to be able to do. But I like seeing Saquon out there. I like Brian Dayball and what this offense has done, giving the playmakers the ball. A couple other things here, too. Kadarius Toney, seven snaps yesterday. I thought it was interesting because once he got into that game in the fourth quarter, this dude changed it, even if it was a muffed wide receiver pass that he was going to do. He still got a few yards out of it. or just getting him the ball in open space. He needs to get the ball in his hands more than just having – he, he doesn't even have any targets here. He has zero targets. I'm looking at Sterling Sharp, Sterling Shepard, who had a good game. Richie James, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Daryl Robertson, Chris Mayer. I don't even know who the hell that other dude is. And we give Kadarius Tony two carries. You got to get this guy. If you're bitching about Kenny Galladay, you got to get Kadarius Tony something because that dude's on a rookie contract. If you can put up anywhere the production to Kenny Galladay, it makes that separation a little bit easier even though it's so much dead cap space that we were talking about second thing before i toss it back over we move on to the next one the reactions of sterling Shepard and saquon barkley after getting that two-point conversion and going right over to brian dayball is awesome tell me a last time you've seen any new york giant player do that with their head coach because i cannot remember i don't remember them doing that even with tom coughlin he is a frail old man, so they'd probably kill him just on impact. So it, it's understandable. But you look at all the coaches previous up until Brian Dable or in, in between them, I've never seen an interaction like that. And I get it. It's the first first game of the year, two-point conversion, yada, yada. That doesn't matter. That's the type of guy you want leading your team, and that's how you want your players that you root for to be reacting to their head coach, and I love that. Hit him with that FIFA celebration with the run over, celebrate with the coach. Yeah, this is – I'll leave it at this. We had been hearing a lot of 
hype that this Giants team, while they might not be playoff good, they're going to be a really fun team to watch and you're going to be able to see the growth. And that's in large part due to Dayball. So to see the players understand that and appreciate it, it's a really cool thing. I love it. Your rival Kansas City Chiefs off to a hot start out in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals where they shellacked, embarrassed, gave a whooping, took Kyler Murray's Xbox away for the night by beating them 44-21. to This wasn't a game at all. James Conner scores early early on here to make it, what, a 14-7 game, and that's about it. Pat Mahomes, five touchdowns in the season debut. This dude looked amazing. This offense looks like it hasn't missed a beat with how much Arizona's lost on the defensive side and just collectively as a team and how unprepared they looked. I don't know how I should gauge how great this Kansas City offense looked, but Pat Mahomes with the sidearm, like the submarine throw it almost looked like. He had some filthy throws, had a couple of his new toys out there. What did you think of how this Kansas City team looked? And out of all these new additions out of the four I've been kind of nonstop talking about over the last couple of weeks, which one of them stood out to you the most? Uh, if, for refresher, Sky Moore, Isaiah, um, Pacheo, 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 um, <laughs> Juju, MVS. Uh, all right. Well, you asked uh, what I thought about this. This is, I would, I've been just screaming from the mountaintops for the last six months saying everybody who thinks this team is going to fall off is insane. They have yes. Patrick Mahomes. They have Patrick Mahomes. No hill, no problem. That's the way this looked the other day. And I, I would, to answer your second question, Juju surprisingly looked really, really dynamic in this offense. Six catches, 79 yards. He did have the fumble, but that's not something that, that you did imagine. Not matter. Yeah, that, that did not did matter. Not, or it did not matter, yes. <laughs> yeah, 37 to 7 at one point in this game. I mean, it was yeah. an ass kicking in every sense of the word. 488 yards to 282. I mean, I'm scared to death of this team. I, I'm still like, yeah, I'm worried about the Chargers, but I'm worried about the Chiefs. Like, we will not beat the Chiefs when we play them. <laughs> I mean, everything they did worked. Like, they ran the ball well. They threw the ball well. And when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, that's going to continue to happen. Yeah, I'm worried about the, the Cardinals. I, I'm very low on them. I think they're going to suck. I really do. Without DeAndre Hopkins, I think the offense is going to look really pedestrian. But I do want to just give you a hard time for one second. Because James Conner, yeah, he got the one touchdown, made your top 100 list, but gave you the most James Conner stat line of all time. 10 rushes, 26 yards, and a touchdown. And I think he had like a couple of receptions as as well. And I I actually have it right here in front of me. Let me see. It was probably like four catches, 11 yards. Yeah, I want to say three for 17. Perfect. Five for 29. Son of a bitch. Five for 29. So this dude has 15 touches for what seems to be 55 yards of just under three and a half. Yeah, Uh, but he got the touchdown. Fantasy God. This Arizona team just, they looked bad. They didn't look ready. They they picked up right where they left off at the end of the season last year. I feel like I'm saying that a lot, but a lot of these teams are proving that. They really haven't missed a beat, and they haven't missed a beat on just fucking it up on the back end of the season. They're carrying it over to this season. 282 total yards. They were 3-12 from third down. 3-4 from fourth down. They looked horrible. 
DeAndre Hopkins, I don't care if you have D-Hop or not. Your offense should be a little bit more fluid than what we were looking at. Well, with the Marquise Brown connection, I thought from college, that didn't look well. I didn't really get to see Rondell Moore a lot. This offense does not look good. But I heard that it was Call of Duty double XP weekend. So it makes sense that Kyler Murray's like 0-41 against the spread when that's the case. So, Wow. <laughs> I know. That's a pretty amazing stat, isn't it? I hope that you're ready for this, Steven. I had to take my medicine. It's unfortunately time for you. The Vikings oh, win 23 the great flavor to too, the worst one. <laughs> 23 to 7. Ton of hype leading up in the year with Justin Jefferson and Kevin O'Connell and that offense and what it's going to do. It looked like they lived up to the hype. What yes. were your thoughts watching this game? Not only about the Minnesota Vikings, your division winner, your pick going into the year, but also your Packers who very something we're not used to seeing seven points in a regular season game from Aaron Rodgers. It's it was bad. I'm going to start with Minnesota because they they were the reason that they won. Right. I can you know, I can go on for a lot of mishaps. And as Green Bay likes to put in all their press conference after they shot themselves in the foot a lot. But for Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, my God, I, I really wasn't that upset about just Justin Jefferson's performance, a because I have him on my fantasy team and B, I'm I'm that guy that I already understood that Green Bay wasn't going to win. But I enjoy and respect the guys that come without in my division that are just, you're not going to stop them. Your Randy Mossage, your APs, your Calvin Johnsons, those are really the three main guys that I can think of off the top of my head. So it's almost like you're sitting there and just like, wow, I'm witnessing some dude just beat the living shit out of my Packers defense right now. And it was fun. Uh, I thought Kirk Cousins, a quarterback that I also picked, I thought he did pretty well yesterday. You can always do well when you have Justin Jefferson running freely on the defensive side of the ball. So for Green Bay, what the hell defense were they running yesterday? What on God's green earth makes you think that a zone defense against Justin Jefferson, who also has Adam Thielen, who came on strong a little bit at the end of the game, what makes you think that was a viable option against this offensive team? I mean, my goodness, would you would you run that against Cooper Cup and the Rams? Joe Barry, you should know you came from the Rams, the same place that Kevin O'Connell just came from. You think that you know kind of his tendencies or what that offense is going to look like, and you put out that product after all the hype of what this defense is going to look like. You put out this product after all the shit talking I've been having about Jalen Ramsey over Twitter and how Jari's better. You put out this product and don't even put don't even put Jari over Justin Jefferson for 90% of the game. Jari even came out and said I don't know why I wasn't covering him the whole game. It wasn't my decision. Something along those lines. And on the offensive side of the ball, Christian Watson. Dude. I get it. You're a rookie, man. I, I fucking get it. You're a rookie. If it wasn't the fact that it was your first play, the second offensive play for Green Bay, if you're not a football person or haven't played, your first 10 to 15 offensive plays that you run, you practice all week in practice. It's called your script. You have a 10 to 15 play script that you are going to run no matter what, that you have down perfectly. And you burn Patrick Peterson, Patrick Peterson, and you drop the ball. Right there, you can just tell that all the energy out of the second play of the game, all the energy is out of Green Bay in that offense. I thought right Rodgers was literally going to strangle him too. I thought – and we didn't see him again until till in a – until he targeted him in the fourth quarter. Yeah, with like three right, minutes left. Right there, he went to 
He just went to what he knows best. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, Robert Tanyan, sprinkled in with Cobb. I'm more surprised that Green Bay didn't get Sammy Watkins going. Yes, that isn't that isn't your guy, but that is a veteran guy that you need to get going in your offense. And I know, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd be vouching to have Sammy Watkins get touches, but here I am because that completely flipped the game. If you take that in, all of a sudden you strike very fastly 7-7, give a little bit of life to your defense. Nope, not the case. You kill all the energy. You do everything, but Vikings on the defensive side of that ball, and I know I'm rambling. It's just hard. Defense on the side of that ball. Darius Smith came with some power. Him and Daniil Hunter are, are game records, and them together is going to be dangerous, not only for the division, but the conference and the whole NFL. I thought their defense played great, something I didn't think that they were going to do, and Green Bay should be shaking in their boots about what this offense is going to look like because it looked horrific. You said a lot there that I, I there's not much for me to add. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take up the whole section there. No, this is your team. You're allowed to to, to say what you want about them. But a couple things. The defense, I'm not worried. Like you said, they they ran a really confusing scheme against Minnesota. I don't think that's going to be something we see a lot of. The Christian Watson dropped touchdown pass to begin that game where he looked like that gif of the little blonde boy or girl trying to catch a ball where his hands are like shoulder width apart. I have no idea how he's trying. Yeah, why why he's trying to catch the ball with his hands out like here. I have no idea what he was thinking. He was in stride. It was a perfect dime in stride, and it just it was too perfect. It was almost too perfect. Where it was like I hit you in the worst spot I could have hit you right in the hands. But at least Romeo Dobbs came on a little bit later in that game. That's something to be yep. excited about. See me walking sucks. I'll ignore that comment. The last thing I will but you say. You understand where I'm coming from. I agree. But yeah, you I mean, he's terrible, from. but I agree. That's how, that's how frustrated I am. I am calling. I am begging for Sammy Watkins to get the ball. That's a problem. Uh, but yes. I okay. would say I was blown away with A.J. Dillon yesterday. I know it was a loss, but he ran the ball so hard. He, It's going to be a very cheap and, and boring comparison because I'm sure a lot of people have already made it, but he's got such a Jerome Bettis kind of. I'm Just a big fit. dude. I'm no, I'm not the fastest guy on the field, but I'm going to lower my shoulder and I'm going to pick up the yards I need to pick up. I think settle down if you're a Packer fan. We kind of felt like this might happen. Minnesota kind of has your number. This is just a team you have to desperately hope you avoid once you get to the postseason. But I wouldn't panic. I really want it. But Minnesota's pretty damn good. The last game, because we saw the Monday night game here, the Sunday night game, the Dallas Cowboys hosted Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, where we already mentioned that Dak Prescott went out late in this game due to a thumb injury. That honestly didn't matter. Uh, not, not that Tampa Bay looked great. They won 19 to three. This was a defensive matchup that Tampa Bay seemed to keep winning drive after drive after drive. What did you think of Julio Jones though last night? Again, you're in my head today. Julio Jones looks good. And I don't know if it's to your, in David's thought in the preseason that, Hey, he's now with the Tom Brady doctors. He looks as good as he's apparently he, ever He's on the TB12 regimen, apparently. That's what they're saying last night. He looks skinnier. He lo- he kind of looks scared, to be honest with you. Like, he looks like he's got, like, the inward cheeks like Tom Brady now. And Well, yeah, know. they're getting cosmetic surgery together. It's so adorable. I love it. We should do that. We should. I, I think it's good for both of us. I, this was a game, though, 
that we went in really worried about the interior offensive line for Tampa Bay. We had questions. Was this a year that Tom Brady was finally going to kind of get beat up in his career because there's no one to block for him? They really did a great job. They allowed two sacks, but at the same point, they also held Leonard Fournette, 21 carries, 127 yards. When they're playing Micah Parsons, who did it, he was the guy to add the two sacks. But if you're able to – yep, he's special. But if you're able to defend against him the way that they were, there's a lot to be excited about for Tampa. Maybe we were too quick to kill them off. I, I mean, if you're trying to find a silver lining for Dallas, though, it's got to be Parsons. Or even though he has the dumbass helmet, I hate it. Ezekiel Elliott looked a little bit better yesterday. And I don't know if that Looks is like a badass. He, oh my God. I, I'm hoping for his sake that he has, whether it be gotten healthy or lost weight, whatever. I hope that he's able to do it. Cause they're going to be leaning on him this next six to eight weeks with Dak out. Yeah. Well, they also, I like the usage that, you know, speaking about Dallas first, I like what they're doing with Tony Pollard. I think that this is going to kind of open it up for uh, Durbin, you know, their guy that they, their return specialists that they had in there that they were flexing a little bit with, I think that maybe that's going to open up the playbook for him because they have to, they got to do something. They have to do it fast. Cooper rush. Maybe they trade for Jimmy G like we were talking about. Maybe scam Newton comes on. I don't know if he can get another contract in the NFL. That's why I'm calling him scam, but this Dallas defense is looking good. But Micah Parsons, this dude, he had the two sacks. He got both those sacks in under two and a half seconds. He had like one of the fastest, fastest times to a sack so that interior offensive line was hurting but to your point outside of that once they got that ground game going with with playoff Lenny they were looking great you know their Tampa Bay's offense with just how they were passing the ball around and you know between Julio Chris Godwin was looking pretty good coming off that ACL injury of course Mike Evans is going to do Mike Evans things I like what this offense is looking like and this doesn't the amount of points that they have here on the scoreboard don't really indicate what how great I thought that offense actually did play without really producing because, yes, they only scored 19 points. They had they kicked five field goals in the first half. They just weren't able to get that into the red zone, which I think it's going to get better throughout the whole season here because Ryan Suckup missed one, hit four, something like that going into there. So I like what they were doing here. They just weren't able to capitalize early on, which would have blown this game out. But they clearly had control throughout this whole game. Levante Davis looking like a beast. That secondary and Antoine Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis, are looking stout. I like what they're doing. And Akeem Nix, welcome, bud. I thought he did pretty damn well, too. And I wouldn't put this as far as how high I've been hyping up the Bucks defense these last couple of years when we had first started, but they're going to be right up in there. They made Dak Prescott look bad. Again, if you didn't watch this game and you heard Dak got hurt, you're probably going to assume it happened in the first quarter. But he played three and a half quarters, and he managed, I think it was 134 or some odd yards in a pick. Yep. So, I mean, Tampa and Bay. That offense together didn't really look that good. Like – the one that sticks out to me obviously is, is the little bubble, the bubble screen that he was trying to run to CD lamb. And he just ran himself right into his tight end. He was, there's just no fluidity within there. They, they looked bad. They looked like a Mike McCarthy week one team. Not ready. That dude's that dude's on the hot seat. Now he is, he is scratching for a quarterback at this moment. And this is also, I mean, CD lamb didn't really have a game at all. And this is an offense that gave up on Amari Cooper that traded him for a bag of bones to the Cleveland Browns. And they did this in their first game at home in a big primetime moment. 
again, this is Philadelphia's division. I'd be panicked if I'm Dallas. I think that there's a chance that, I mean, they could finish in fourth if they don't get Dak for eight weeks. That's how bad they looked yesterday. Who would have thought that the New York Giants would have had a better quarterback room coming into the Monday after the first NFL Sunday? With that, that is going to wrap us up on the week one recap as well as the episode of Loss of Down. Thank you to all of our sponsors, or Tabbies and AbbyTurnerPhoto.com. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at Facebook, Instagram, and Facebook, Loss of Down, and Twitter, Down underscore Loss. Wally, do you have any last-second bets you want to throw to the listeners? Well, I guess it doesn't really matter now. Uh, just two uh, comments real quick. One, Geno Smith. That's it. That's my comment. Go Seattle. Wow. Next. Next is right. Uh, most of you guys follow us on Instagram and all that. And I just wanted to say, I sent out a message last night where just talking about some personal struggles I've dealt with in my life the last 10, 15 years. And I just wanted to tell you guys, I really appreciate the outpouring of support I've gotten there in on my text today. I've been working on this and being prepared for this. So I haven't got to most of you yet, but I really do appreciate it. I want you guys to know that bottom of my heart. I love all you guys. And we all love you, Wally. This podcast is nothing without you. We fucking love you. You grind your dick off to put this editing and me and DK love you. So we want you here for the long haul in this podcast, fucking the NFL up and winning us some money. Hopefully we're going to bounce back me. here in week two. You Good. two are stuck hey. with me. <laughs> hey, don't threat. Don't threat me with a good time until Thursday. We get to run through our bets. We'll get you ready for week two, but until then enjoy your Broncos and Seahawks matchup. Go Gino. I am praying for Drew Locke. Drew Locke's coming in second half. Watch out. 12th man, Geno Smith time. The, the, the 12th man is, is Drew Locke. He is the 12th man. You're absolutely right. He won't be playing either. He'll be just like the fans. <laughs>